You like to watch new stuff, right? Well, go to Hulu and see what's new, because Hulu has new stuff all the time. Like Vanderpump Villa, the new docudrama starring Lisa Vanderpump, where first-class luxury meets world-class drama. A new season of The Kardashians starring The Kardashians, of course. And Grand Cayman, Secrets in Paradise, the sizzling new reality show set in the tropical Caribbean. It's all new and it's streaming now on Hulu. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Welcome to Talk is Jericho. It's the pot of thunder and rock and roll and the only place outside of a Guns N' Roses tour bus to hear the patented Duff McKagan joke of the week. Chris Jericho, Duff McKagan calling you. Uh, uh, Mrs. McKagan right here. <laughs> she says hi. Um, listen, uh, dude one says to dude two says, hey, bro. Dude two says, yeah, bro. Dude one says, can you pass me that pamphlet? And dude two says, bro, sure. Thank you very much. Goodbye. Ah, uh, Duff said that was the worst one ever uh, when he texted to me. Uh, I think it's actually pretty damn funny. Thanks to Duff and his personal hype girl, his wife, Susan. Great seeing both of them in London at the Stones concert in Hyde Park a few weeks ago. GNR back home, but getting ready to head to South America September 1st. Then they're hitting Mexico, Asia, Australia, and New Zealand before the end of the year. And Fozzie getting ready to head out on a world tour as well. Save the world tour in the United States, Canada, New Zealand, Australia, England, Ireland, Northern Ireland, Scotland, and Wales starts September 8th in Columbus, Ohio. Uh, FozzieRock.com has all the dates and ticket information along with the details on our legendary VIP meet and greets. And like I said, we're going to Manchester, England, November 4th. Then we're going to Birmingham, Nottingham, Dublin, Belfast, Swansea, Bournemouth, Bristol, Glasgow, and London. Before we go down under to New Zealand and Australia, kicking things off in New Zealand in Auckland, November 28th, hitting Brisbane, Melbourne, Sydney, and Adelaide. Come rock with us this fall. FozzyRock.com for all ticket information and VIP package details. All right. Today, the, the rock and roll continues. Well, the punk rock and roll continues with Lars Fredrickson, the guitarist and singer from Rancid. AEW's Ruby Soho has them to thank for her entrance music and to some degree her name as well. Lars is going to tell us the story how that happened. He's a big wrestling fan, but today we're talking about punk music. His band has been playing for 30 years. Uh, he grew up on punk rock. He knows the scene, the players, the history, the respect, the good bands, the bad bands. He makes a case for why Lemmy and Motorhead should be considered punk. He talks about the role that Sid Vicious and the Sex Pistols played in making the genre more mainstream. You hear about Lars's background, growing up in working class San Francisco, his love of Kiss, what happened when he met Gene and Paul for the first time, and who ultimately got him to pick up a guitar. He talks about what made the punk scene so relevant back in the day, the difference between punk and oi music, punk's contribution to fashion, 
pop culture and image and the attitude and lyrics. He's got great stories. He's such a wealth of information about the bands, his favorites, up-and-comers on the scene today, and the icons of the field. Here we go. Lars Fredrickson of Rancid doing the rundown on punk rock here on Talk Is Jericho. One of the coolest things in modern last six months or so in AEW, of course, is the uh, appearance of Ruby Soho and her theme song, which is uh, uh, played by uh, Rancid and Lars Fredrickson. Um, I don't know if you wrote that tune or not, but it's definitely one of the centerpieces of the show whenever it gets played. And Lars is here with us to discuss kind of the whole uh, history of punk rock from his perspective. But to start out, how did that song get involved in aw because it's become a cornerstone well i guess it goes back i do a, a wrestling podcast called the Re- wrestling perspective and ruby had was wrestling in the wwe at the time and she hit me up through social media and she said hey i want to do this outfit for a pay-per-view it's kind of modeled after something that you've worn are you are you cool with this and i was like yeah of course because i knew who she was she was ruby riot and you know i'm a, been a pro wrestling fan since probably 1980, 79, 1980. So it was kind of like an honor for me because I actually really liked her and what she was doing over there, even though they'd only given like two minutes to do what they're doing. Right. But she was able to make enough of an impression. And um, when she got let go of the w- from the WWE, I just kind of hit her up on a whim. And I was like, hey, I do this wrestling podcast. Would you want to come on and, and do it with us? And she was very gracious and said, yeah, because it was like her first interview. She had done like since her since her release. So as we were talking, she's then uh, you know throughout the course of the interview, she said, "Well, I got to find a new name." And I said, "Well, I think there's one that's pretty obvious." And I, you know, and she's like, "You think so?" And I was like, "Yeah, I know a few guys. <laughs> you know, we could probably get it done." And the rest is history. So, and we're pretty honored for her to to take the name, you know, because I mean, it's one of those songs that that is synonymous with our band sure i don't think there's ever been a show where we haven't played that song so since since the record since out from the wolves came out you know so it's it's it for us it you know for me as a lifelong pro wrestling fan it was obviously you know one of the biggest honors bestowed and especially on a you know a song that me and tim and matt wrote you know what 25 years ago or whatever it's great too because like you said you are a, a huge fan i think the first time we ever met you gave me uh, <laughs> a whole collection of dvds of yeah. all my matches from around yeah. the world and there was like i don't know 30 40 there was a lot of matches on this thing yeah and i thought that was really cool that you were so involved and so into it to actually make this uh kind of video scrapbook for me it was very cool you know what's really funny what i'm realizing because i elevate my computer you know what's helping elevate my computer right now as i talk to you what <laughs> that's so funny the complete list of jericho it's very good as a uh as a as a, as a computer elevator well, no no because i mean i leave it on my the, the dining room the table because i always go to it and so the so the books that i always kind of keep going to back and forth right you know, they stay here. They live in this area here because then I can go to them and check it out, something or whatever. You know, I've got, a, you know, I, I got a pretty much, you know, every wrestler who's ever put out a book, I probably have it. Well, that, like I said, it, it's about time that you and I finally spoke on a podcast and we need to do 
a, a wrestling related one. For but, sure. but you know so much about the history of pro wrestling, but I want to talk to you today a little bit more about punk rock, about, about your chosen world. Because, like I said, I, I've been fortunate. I had half of the Sex Pistols on, Jonesy and, 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 and Glenn Matlock. And obviously, you know the story of punk rock, but I'm talking to you, uh, one of the biggest bands of, of the 90s, one of the biggest modern-day punk bands in Rancid and all the other bands that you do. So it's interesting to me because there's a whole subculture of punk rock. And it's so relevant even up to this day in 2022 I guess, you know, let's talk a little bit about the whole phenomenon of punk rock. Let's talk about your journey into starting Rancid. You, you basically started, or the band started almost the same time that I did, 90, 91, around that time frame. Yeah. Uh, I know I know you didn't start with the band, but you've been there pretty much since the start. Yeah. So what kind of was your journey as being a punk rock fan? Because there is, I mean, obviously from the tattoos that you have, even on your forehead, on your face, there is a real commitment to this form of music unlike almost any other well i think punk rock is that uniquely american art form i mean we invented it you know if it wasn't for the well yeah if it wasn't for the ramones you never would have had the sex pistols or the clash i mean members of those bands they might claim a stake to it but they're full of shit because they went and saw the ramones and then had got ideas to form bands so i mean you can trace it back all the way back maybe to maybe the mc5 some will say or even death or Iggy Pop, Iggy and the Stooges. I mean, you know, even to the New York Dolls, like you can kind of trace it. It's, 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 it's an American invention. And for it to be argued, you know, I'll sit and argue t- until I'm blue in the face. Cause you know, the Ramones, if there was no Ramones, there never would have been a pistols. There never would have been a damned. There never would have been, you know, the list goes on and on and on. Maybe contributors that were English were obviously, you know, the pistols, motorhead, the damn, you know, the clash, these bands, but it came from America. I mean, let's just be honest. So, and I think that having that experience, you know, growing up and seeing rock and roll high school and watch the Ramones and then, and then having a, you know, a guy, you know, move into my neighborhood in around 1979, 1980, who, you know, brought X and the circle jerks. And then a lot of the Oi stuff, you know, that was happening from England. And that's, you know, the stuff that kind of really I gravitated to was a lot of the English punk. I mean, along with the American punk that was happening, like Social Distortion, the Circle Jerks. And then there was so much, you know, growing up in the San Francisco Bay Area, there was so much, you know, you had the Dead Kennedys, you had Crucifix. You know, I mean, we're rich. I mean, we invented thrash metal. I mean, so it's like, I don't know, to being from the Bay Area, which was a, a very working class area at the time, I mean, in the early eighties, you know, to live in the Bay area, I mean, you're a blue collar, you know, now Mm. it's a different story. So, and I think that, that, that combination of, of being, you know, super working class and then having this, this music that was rebellious. And, you know, I've always gone to that sort of hardcore music. I mean, I went, the first bands I ever heard were like Kiss, Cheap Trick. And then when I had, when I heard ACDC, that turned, you know, opened up, expanded, thing and then when i heard the ramones and and punk rock then it was just like you know kiss records to the shelf this is who i am this is what i'm going to do you know so much to discuss of what you just said there but something that i really had no idea about was that the ramones were the first i mean obviously like you said you're talking mc5 and, and, and iggy and all that stuff the stooges but punk rock ramones that kind of is synonymous i had no idea that the ramones were were the first of the whole of the whole movement yeah i mean you had you know 
that whole scene in New York. I mean, I wasn't obviously, you know, I was alive at the time, but I yeah. was, you know, six or five or whatever. But um, yeah, and then you had Richard Hell, you know, the Blondie. Yeah. Like shit. I mean, you know, even Tom Petty back in the day, even ACDC in a lot of ways was was considered punk rock. I mean, I think the punk thing that was happening was probably, you know, the Ramones were the first in my, when I say that, because they were the first ones to kind of have the name attached to them and who they were. You know, they also called punk bands new wave bands too back sure. then, you know? And, you know, even Devo would have been considered, you know, and the B-52s. And it was just anything that wasn't Emerson, Lake, and Palmer or some, <laughs> you know. Right. I think the excess of the 70s and then the bullshit hippies of the 60s, I think, you know, people who were actually coming from these real working class places and making rock and roll that reflected that. I think that's why you had the sounds from Detroit that you had and then the Bay Area, you know. So I feel... And even New York, you know, so in New York in the 70s, I, I, from what I understand, wasn't a very nice place. Mm -hmm. So I think that, that a lot of the music was a reflection of what was happening culturally. You like to watch new stuff, right? Well, go to Hulu and see what's new because Hulu has new stuff all the time. Like Vanderpump Villa, the new docudrama starring Lisa Vanderpump, where first-class luxury meets world-class drama. A new season of The Kardashians starring The Kardashians, of course. And Grand Cayman, Secrets in Paradise, the sizzling new reality show set in the tropical Caribbean. It's all new and it's streaming now on Hulu. It's interesting too because when you talk about the sound of punk rock, I mean, obviously, you know, if you had to play, you know, word association, punk rock is fast, you know, and and, and just blah, 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 blah. but that's not necessarily the, the real case because if you're talking about the Ramones, that comes directly from '60s surf rock. To me, you hear those melody lines that Joey was singing. Uh, the very you know, rock, rock, rock and roll high school. It's very much like do up, do up, oh, like the next sure. right. It's the next. It's the next stage of that. Well, I think the punk rock was the two minute and 30 song again. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm, right. Punk rock, you know, punk rock was the anti guitar solo or use them. You know, you don't need to noodle. It didn't need to be Freebird. You know yeah. what I mean? It's, it's like, I mean, Freebird, I mean, I, you know, Skinner's great, whatever, you know, but my point is, is that it was like stripped down. Some of, some of the stuff was political. I mean, if you think about punk rock and the shape in which it, right. it sort of, uh, who have accept, accepted everything from Gigi Allen, who used to shit in his hand and throw it at the crowd, to Crass, who was, you know, living on a farm, anti-government, singing, do they owe us a living? So you had everything in this big, gigantic spectrum. And it was like, the, it was almost like a return to what rock and roll mm -hmm. was supposed to be. It was supposed to be, you know, that soulful Aretha Franklin, Elvis Presley, you know, Jammer, Sam and Dave, you know, that this kind of stuff. It wasn't about, you know, oh, I listened to classical Bach and jazz. So it's like, you know, I wanted my, my stuff hard and fast, you know, I, that's, that's kind of what my personality was, you know? So that's why I, me personally gravitated to the more extreme kind of music. That's why I love like, you know, a lot of like, that's why I love cannibal corpse. That's why I love creator. That's why I love mm -hmm. these bands. It's the, it might be look different, but it's that same feeling, you know, that makes you want to, you know, it just something resonates in me with some, with, with that more, you know, sort of intense kind of 
trip. It's interesting what you say, though, because the same thing happened in the 90s. Actually, it happened in the early 80s, too, when Metallica and Slayer came on the scene. But more specifically in the 90s, when you're talking about kind of the end of of not even just hair metal, the end of heavy metal completely, when grunge came in, because the whole scene needed a purge and needed a reboot. That's kind of what you're saying punk rock did when, you're, when you mentioned Emerson, Lake, and Palmer and the Freebirds and the Skinner. They kind of cleansed it. Yeah, well, if you think about it, there's not a Metallica or a Slayer unless there's a GBH and a Motorhead. Of course, absolutely. So, I mean, you know, all those thrash bands that I, I sort of give more, more of them credit than the grunge shit because the grunge thing, you know, was, you know, those bands, whatever. They, it, it wasn't really my cup of tea. In retrospect, looking back, I see how important Nirvana and those bands mm. were. But at the time, you know, I'm not a fan, right? you know, right. it's not that I don't understand the importance of them. But to me, it, it was kind of like Diet Coke version of what I really wanted to listen to. So gotcha. right. that's just my opinion. It's not that I'm saying that I don't understand the cultural significance of what they did because they mm-hmm. it wasn't for those bands. There wouldn't have been the door wouldn't have been open for bands like Rancid and, you know, Green Day, Offspring, that, that kind of stuff. But if you really look at those thrash bands like Slayer and Metallica and Testament and Exodus, they're all drawn from punk. Yeah. It was just punk rock with guys who knew how to play better than us. You know? <laughs> and those scenes crossed over. And that's why you got bands like DRI and, you know, even GBH made records that were more on that sort of thrashy tip. And the whole crossover scene happened because of bands like Slayer. But I mean, but then again, there wouldn't have been those bands unless there was a GBH. I mean, I remember mm-hmm. sitting with James Het. Hetfield in when we did Brazil with them and I was talking about we were talking about their latest record hardwired you know because we were on tour with them and I was talking about that song spit out the bone because I love Metallica mm-hmm. and he's like yeah thank you GBH and that came out mm. of his mouth so it's like yeah he understands and 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 he gets it I mean he was a fan it they might have looked different and run in a different place but they were still drawing from the same things we were oh yeah they might have liked Diamond Head I mean, that's the thing with Motorhead. It's like, that's the band that's the most argued about by the punks and the metalheads. It's like the punks will claim that they're punks and then the metalheads will claim that they're metal. And Lemmy will tell you, it would have told you himself, they were more of a punk rock thing because they were sort of the, the, the against the grain kind of thing. Nobody liked them. They were voted the worst, you know, the worst band in the world by their own press. <laughs> well, Lem would also say too that they're rock and roll because that's what it all boils down to. But is that's the what rock, punk rock is. You know? But that's sure. what punk rock is. But there was a, a crossover too. I remember even being a, a major metalhead. You know, eighty five, eighty six. We listened to Dead Kennedys because they're very fast and also just loved kind of the the chaos of, of Jello Biafra, his voice, his lyric. Um, there was a, I don't even know if you've heard of this one. There was a Canadian punk band called the Dayglow Abortions. Yeah, I saw them a few times. There you go. I mean, I don't know how big they were outside of Canada, or even if they were big in Canada, but somehow I remember the record was called Here Today, Guano Tomorrow. And we listened to that thing over and over and over again because it was it was fast and heavy, and it was almost kind of funny. There was a, a comedy element to a lot of punk because Dead Kennedys had it as well. Uh, take this job and shove it. I work in here no more. It's just like, how could you not laugh at that? But in a this is killer type of a way. Well, I mean, the Canadians always, you know, you had DOA, you had the Forgotten Rebels, you had Dave right. Abortions. I mean, they're, I mean, honestly, Chris, there probably isn't a punk band that I haven't seen. So, <laughs> I mean, and that's, I'm not saying that to sound like an egotistical asshole, but that's just the truth. I this mean, your I, thing. You know, yeah. It was my thing. So, you know, I feel like, you know, bands like the Toy Dolls and even the Ramones, 
you know, they had a tongue in cheek kind of thing to them, you know, writing songs about horror movies or, yeah. you know, I mean, I fell in love at the Burger King, you know, yeah, I saw her at the Burger King, fell in love by the soda machine. So it's like, it was about that innocence of rock and roll, you know what I mean? And I feel like the purity and then, then you had the political element. So that's what I was saying. It's like, you know, you had the Gigi Allens and the Crasses. So you, you could have an, anything in the middle. You could have the political stuff that was actually had a message. You, you could have the fun stuff that was kind of like, you know, Nelly the Elephant by Toy Dolls. I mean, and there was a lot of other bands that were doing kind of the same kind of stuff. And it was a tongue in cheek, you know, the punk rock sense of humor. You know, no one was sacred. Nothing was sacred. I feel like punk rock has meant so many different things to so many different people over the course of time, you know, since it's been around. But I feel like in, in the essence of it was about, you know, being true to yourself, making a life for yourself on your own terms. You didn't have to conform to what society said that you had to do. And also, I think there was a sense of humor that came with it. It mm -hmm. wasn't about cancel culture and, and any of that bullshit. It was more about freedom of expression, the real freedom of speech, you know, because if there, you know, and that's why I think it couldn't have happened anywhere else but in America, because we have that unique thing of freedom of speech, you know what I mean? Right. And we, we hold that as one of, you know, the basic foundations of this country. And I feel like if you, when you, when you mix all of what was going on in the climate, musically, politically, you know, with the economy and everything like that, this music was going to be born and it was going to be born in a way that was going to be, you know, aggressive and hard and also, but also have a, a sense of humor with it as well. So, I mean, for you to tap into like the Daglo abortions, is like the way that I tapped into, you know, holiday in cambodia i mean come on just the title in itself right. is sort of ironic in that sense you know what i mean and i just feel like with this music there was no bounds there was no glass ceiling like you could always push the envelope i mean you and then you enter bands like discharge and gbh you know like i said if there wasn't those bands there would have been no thrash metal you know mm -hmm. so it's kind of like you know there's so much that punk rock has given to the world you know socially everything right. i think right i mean you know when we were doing shows we were you know the only people that wanted you know, that would give us shows were at the gay clubs you know mm -hmm. so that was the thing it's like what i see what's happening in the world now and all of you know the things that are happening with you know gender and all these other things that i mean punk rock was doing that shit 40 years ago you know mm. we, we didn't care who you were just come on in you know be part we're the freaks and the misfits right and we don't but the thing that was different is we didn't want an identity we just wanted to be left alone we didn't need to be classified we didn't need to be validated we didn't need any of that shit we were just kind of doing our own thing you know and this is just my experience i'm sure maybe people had other experiences but the people that I was with, we were just kind of doing our own thing and just wanted to be kind of left alone to do our own thing. We didn't need to compartmentalize who we were and our, you know, we were just freaks and misfits. There's that side. But let's talk a little bit more about the commercial side of punk rock. Because we, 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 you mentioned a couple of the bands, and I'll throw the police in there as well. You're talking about Blondie, The Clash, The I Police wouldn't. at first. No, <laughs> but at first, at, at first they were touted as a punk band, you know, with Fallout and Dead End sure, Job. Sure. The very first police songs were very just in that vibe take police out of the equation blondie became very very mainstream and very huge with a song like heart of glass which almost has a disco element to it or you know call me's got that vibe Giorgio moroder the clash as well i mean should i stare should i go as a kind of punky tune but train in vain is much more of a pop type of a song yeah. how did punk become the mainstream and do you still include those bands even when they 
didn't turn their sound, but it became huge. Well, I'll tell you, it's really simple to answer because punk is the coolest music in the world, in my opinion. <laughs> right. So it's like, you know, for me, you know, where I grew up in my neighborhood, we were always sort of supportive. Like, we, you know, the neighborhood wasn't all that great. So it's like when you got out of that neighborhood, it was like, glad you got out. Mm -hmm. Makes sense? Yeah. Good for you. And man. I feel like, you know, when you got something that, I mean, when you're tapping into, you know, whatever's happening in the world or whatever, and you're writing a good song, people will eventually figure it out. You know, there's some bands that have written the best song. I mean, why aren't the Ramones the biggest band ever to, in the world? Why? I don't know. Why is it Metallica? Why is it ACDC? Like, I don't know either, right? But to me, they're like one of the biggest bands in the world, in my world, right? Mm. So I feel like it's all subjective in a way, you know? So, you know, punk has had its popularities in certain, you know, with the Ramones and the Clash and stuff like that. And the Clash, obviously, you know, coming with, you know, Rock the Casbah and, and right. those things, right? And then, you know, bands like Green Day who got their start, you know, and kicked it around with a lot of the punk bands and stuff like that. And they, I mean, they're the Beatles of this, of this, of this generation, mm -hmm. you know, kudos to them. I mean, I remember seeing them in little backyard parties and just going, fuck, man, these guys don't belong here. They belong <laughs> in the, the grand stage. And they, and then eventually they are. And now they're one of the bigger, biggest bands ever to have ever happened, right? Mm -hmm. Came from our scene. So, I never begrudge anybody because it's just, maybe it's just the way who I am. But I mean, I think there's a lot of reasons why the music is still very relevant and still huge. It's, and I feel because it stri strikes a chord, you know, because I, I really honestly think that it's not about the excess, like the Motley Crue's were singing about, you know, cocaine cars and big tits. We were kind of the polar opposite, like jobs, <laughs> working <laughs> wages, you know what I mean? And I feel like, you know, those both can translate to different people at different times. But I feel like, you know, for me, what I needed was that was a message that made me relate to the musicians I was listening to. Also, punk rock, you didn't have to go to Juilliard to like play it. Like you can, hmm. you could pick up a guitar, anybody, three or four of your friends and start a band. Mm -hmm. And it was very accessible. So guys like me who were creative and didn't really, you know, have the money to buy guitars or, or have music lessons. Like it was an outlet for me. And when you would go to the punk shows, then they would normally be at like, you know, high school gymnasiums or, or small little clubs or v VFW halls, right. like whatever, wherever. I mean, this was very accessible to us and it, the shows were five bucks. And when you walked in, you were with your community. Mm. There was no bullshit. It was like you, your community, and you were just the same as the band. There was no separation between the band and the audience hmm. and you could get up on that stage and dance with them and jump off the stage you know then not only that you could do that and at the same show play a gig you know i don't i can i can't even tell you how many times i've been in the pit for bands and then go play my show oh right <laughs> right you know because that's just was was part of the deal you were it was all inclusive it didn't matter where you came from it didn't matter what your color was it didn't mm. matter what your gender was it didn't matter any none of that mattered it was all about the music and being there together and it was the collective of it all it wasn't some hippie shit where we're gonna you know go and backstab each other i'm there was obviously that, that element because we're all human beings but it was just like at that moment in those times and it still is that way it's a very accepting place to go you know what i mean and it's mm. also aggressive and, you, and the pit was aggressive and the the dancing was aggressive and you weren't there to beat anybody's ass. I mean, sometimes you did, sometimes you got your ass kicked. 
That was just part of the deal. Mm-hmm. And back when I got into punk rock, you had to really want it because the cops were going to hassle you. The schools were going to hassle you. If you went to church, I'm sure they were going to judge you. You know, good Christians judging other people because they look different. So, you know, it's like you had a lot of stuff against you. So you really had to want it. You know, mm-hmm. you really had to want to be there. And I think that with that scene, that's why you have so many mainstays and so many people, because the people who couldn't hack it got out of it, you know? And, you know, because it was dangerous back in the early 80s, man. I mean, it was freaking dangerous because you didn't know if a cop was going to come and just smack you on the back of the head because they could do, you know, anything they wanted to do, still can. Right. So, I mean, you had, there was so much involved in it, you know? I mean, it wasn't, it's not just to simplify it, like the whole scene and the whole, there was so much to it. And unless you were a part of it and lived it and experienced some of it, it's really hard to explain, it. you know, not that you can't get it, but you know what I'm saying. You like to watch new stuff, right? Well, go to Hulu and see what's new. Cause Hulu has new stuff all the time. Like Vanderpump Villa, the new docudrama starring Lisa Vanderpump, where first-class luxury meets world-class drama. A new season of The Kardashians starring the Kardashians, of course. And Grand Cayman, Secrets in Paradise, the sizzling new reality show set in the tropical Caribbean. It's all new and it's streaming now on Hulu. One of the things I loved about about punk rock and actually early Metallica and Motorhead too, but Metallica especially, the Kill Em All record, you could figure out how to play those songs. Like if you weren't a great player, you could still go ba now 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 now. You could figure out the tunes. So yes, a lot of times punk rock is kind of labeled as oh these guys can't play, but then you get a guy like Steve Jones who's one of the best rock guitar players, Johnny Ramone with his down picking. I mean, that's influenced many a a guitar player, Kirk Hammett being one of them, yourself probably as well. So there's more ability to being in a punk band than is kind of critically acclaimed. Well, I think the Ramones songs, like, you know, trying to remember a Ramones song is a little bit harder than it it seems because their structures and for me, they've written the perfect song on numerous occasions, but, and they're like, because they're kind of like bookends. But what happens in between, man, there's a lot going on there. You might not hear it. Mm. You might think, oh, it's really simple. It's like people, when people say, you know, for instance, Phil Rudd. Oh, yeah. yeah. You know, how, how how can he be a good drummer? He's not Neil <laughs> exactly. Peart. Right, 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 right. And Phil Rudd is the best drummer the in best. the world. The best. In the world because he's got a swing and he knows exactly what to do. But if you take a guy like Lars Ulrich, that reminds me of uh, Filthy Animal Taylor. I feel like that's what Lars Ulrich was doing. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? He's he's doing he's trying to do filthy Phil, right? But I feel like, you know, the Ramones, if you really with the sixteenths, I mean, yeah. any drummer yeah. who can do sixteenths for that long, I mean, even Marky Ramon will tell you that, you know, after he joined the band, he said that was the hardest thing to get my mind around was the sixteenths because it's a constant this, right? Yeah. And that was part of the Ramones sound. And Johnny Ramone playing all downstrokes, there's a song on indestructible is it indestructible yes it's indestructible it's a song called damnation uh this is a rancid record that's right. all downstrokes and that is at uh 185 <laughs> beats per minute and my wrists cramped up yeah so many times trying to do that you know and i'm and, and i did get through it but like when uh, there's a whole other story to that but I, it's that's for another time but my point is, is that's, that's a very hard thing to do. So for anybody to come in and, and try to nitpick, 
you know, certain styles or whatever. I can't play metal. I can't play like Carrie King or mm-hmm. Gary Holt. I can't. I admire what they do. Yeah. Gary Holt is like, you know, he's our Jimi Hendrix. He's our, <laughs> you know, he's, he's, he's a whole different level. He doesn't get the credit. I, I don't think is that he deserves, but he, he is on a different planet. Right. Uh, but this is a punk show. So let's talk about that. I just feel like the guitar players that I really liked, and if you think, and even if you listen to Malcolm Young, mm-hmm. that right hand, that's what I always wanted to be, right? I always wanted to be a guy like Steve Whale or uh, Jake Burns from Stiff Little Fingers or Johnny Ramone or, uh, you know, the list can go on and on and on at mm-hmm. infinitum. So it's like, there's so many people that I tried to emulate, you know, Fast Eddie Clark, you know, Phil Campbell, you know, there's so many guys that I wanted and I tried to incorporate into like what I was doing. But yeah, I mean, to say that it's basic and that it's simple is, I mean, listen to Black Flag. I mean, you know, that stuff is that, and like there was band, there was a band here in town, Ralph Spite, Victim's Family. And we would used to joke because they were so technical and so good that you needed a calculator just to get (laughs) into the pit, you know? So (laughs) there were guys in the scene that could play. Oh yeah. Oh, for sure. And, 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 you know, like you said, drummers as well. I mean, you know, Duff McKagan is a punk guy. He's one of the best, better guitar or bass players that you'll see. But let's talk, let's go back to what you mentioned as far as looks. And that you said that cops could come and mess with your teachers come mess with you. In high school, once again, going back to the eighties and punk rock, listen, you knew who the metal guys were. We had all of our uniforms on denim jacket, leather jacket with a denim over top, you know, maiden shirt, long shitty hair, but the punk kids. <laughs> were really next level big mohawks <laughs> colored hair either or hair just in your face look like fucking rodeo clowns completely but that was a real uh commitment where did that come from and why did that become part of the punk rock uh canon so to speak well i think you know it's like sid vicious started wearing a leather jacket because of the ramones right and then mm. sid vicious is one of the most iconic punk rockers that you've ever seen and then you bands like the UK subs started studying those leather jackets. Like the, you know, the leather boys did, you know, on Folsom and in San Francisco yeah. here, you know, and you know, Rob Halford and stuff like that. I mean, there was a lot of the gay community, you know, because of the gay community, I feel like, you know, would open their doors to punk rockers and to sort of the subversive style of music because, you know, in the seventies and eighties being, a homosexual was somewhat subversive. I mean, if you look at the times, right? Right. So I think a lot of the gay culture kind of mel- melded in with the punk rock, the style, the studs, the flamboyancy of it all. Now, the first time I ever really saw like bondage pants, I think that was a uniquely English thing, like the Vivian Westwood sex pistols kind of stuff. I, th- I really believe that they brought that to it because the Ramones obviously were leather jackets, ripped jeans and stupid t-shirts, right? right. You know, you go down to the mission district and, san francisco and every hipster looks like a ramon so you know it's it's still there you know what i mean yeah so but they don't even know who the ramones are it's like you see these movie stars wearing ramones t-shirts you're like name one song douche you know what i mean so i feel like the culture you know the gay community had a big part to do it with with it Uh, the bondage element you know sort of like the the seditionary stuff you know there was a lot of i think a lot of things Tom O'Finland, I think, you know, some of his stuff made it in there. I mean, I feel like, you know, there was so much there, you know, in the, in the look, we just wanted to be me personally. I had no idea, you know, that any of that stuff had made it, you know, made it in there. Cause I'm 11 years old. I just want to look as crazy as I can. Right. You know, that was, that's my right. attitude. I want to look like a peacock, you know, on, on acid, 
you know, so studying my leather jacket or vet or vest, I didn't really have a leather jacket because I didn't have enough money, but like, you know, bleaching my jeans was more of the oi shit, you know, and my brother was a skinhead. So it's like, you know, that was the, when the skin, the oi music was the skinheads and the punks making bands and, you know, the, those two scenes coming together. And, you know, so, I mean, there were so many different things to draw from, you know, cause you had different styles. I mean, the skinheads had big boots. The punkers wore big boots. We liked creepers. The rockabillies wore creepers, you know, so there was so much that came as, as an influence into punk. I think it was like, you know, you almost took something from everything. You know, when you mentioned kind of this English uh, influence, why are the Sex Pistols kind of synonymous with punk rock? Like, why is that the biggest kind of punk band? Is there a reason for this? I wouldn't say that they were. I would say that they made. They, I mean, to the mainstream, to the mainstream person, they'll say Sex Pistols. Well, that's for punk, sure. Punk I mean, but because uh, that's an easy way to grab it. Because I think that what they were, you know, they didn't make that big of an impact on me personally. So I can't really speak to it. But, mm. you know, obviously, never mind the Bullocks is a classic record. Um, I think the imagery and. You know, Sid Vicious just being so iconic, Johnny Rotten just being so, you know, loud mouth and opinionated. Mm -hmm. You know, they just had, I mean, uh, is it Paul Cook, the drummer? Yeah. I mean, he he brings it. You know, so I, I mean, I, I just, I feel like because they look the wildest. I mean, if you look at Johnny Rotten, you know, most punk rockers kind of look like that thing. I mean, he, as far as like the fashion element of it all, I, I would say that so much goes to him. So much goes to him, sure. Because I mean, he was wearing some shit that was just from outer space, and I, and I think, you know, their impact on on culture and society, and to be sort of, you know, mentioned in the, you know, like you said, punk rock, Sex Pistols. Like for me, there's so much more. But for maybe just the layman out there, you know, and that's not talking down at anybody. To to it's kind of like rock and roll, ACDC, right? it's just it's yeah, like the first yeah. thing you know so for me you know it's a pretty easy connection you like to watch new stuff right well go to hulu and see what's new because hulu has new stuff all the time like vanderpump villa the new docudrama starring lisa vanderpump where first class luxury meets world-class drama a new season of The Kardashians, starring The Kardashians, of course, and Grand Cayman, Secrets in Paradise, the sizzling new reality show set in the tropical Caribbean. It's all new and it's streaming now on Hulu. Let's talk about some of the subgenres from this time frame. You mentioned a couple times, boy, you mentioned skinheads. Kind of go through what, what those, what's oi? Is that is it called yeah. oi? Is it called oi punk? Oi. So what is that? That's the first kind of English stuff that I really got introduced to because in my little crew there was skinheads and there was punks, you know. And people thought, mm. you know, in the in the mid eighties, the whole skinhead thing got you know related to you know nationalism and white power, right? Which is bullshit because skinhead started in the sixties in England and and the backbone was was Jamaican reggae. And the style, you know, ah, right. so it's about just working class. It was never supposed to be political. And I think everybody's got different opinions on it. But I feel like when the oi thing came together, you know, the, the skinhead scenes, they had their bands and the punks scenes had their had their bands. And that brought those two scenes together. And if you talk to people who were living over there, that was like the first time that those two scenes kind of came together. So you had bands like The Last Resort playing with the business and... 
you know, the business were half skinheads, half punks, right? And the last resort was primarily known as a, as a, as a skinhead band. And then you have bands like Impa Riot and Coxbar, Cockney Rejects, who, you know, maybe not even be skinhead or punk. You know what I mean? It was just more of about an attitude. It was about working class. Mm-hmm. And it was about really like having a message, you know? And whether it was political or tongue in cheek, like we were talking about it earlier, it was something that a guy like me, even though I might have been, you know, in Campbell, California as an American, you know, whatever the music was, it hit me like a lightning bolt, more so than the Ramones, more so than the Clash ever did. You know, the bands, the business, like, you know, they, they spoke to me with Suburban Rebels and Employers Blacklist and all these other things. And these songs and it struck a chord with me and maybe i wasn't smart enough to sort of intellectualize what the lyrical or what was going on in england because you know but it's whatever that feeling was is what i gravitated to so i love bands like you know the four skins and the last resort cockney rejects the business angelic upstarts blitz i mean cron gen you know gbh i loved everything that was english i'm a anglophile i'll just be honest (laughs) but like all those bands what was going on the music the energy that they were sort of exploited you know whoever it was was just resonating with me and i really think it's almost like the exploited took what johnny rotten was doing and upped their game so the modern day punk Mm. rocker you know with the mohawk and the studded leather you can give that to wadi wadi you know boom they exploited they looked cool I, you know, was it, you know, the Sex Pistols, you know, still had a tinge of the Ramones to them, but they exploited, like took it and just went with it, you know, and really like the modern day punk rocker, I would say you can thank the exploited for that. What well, was even kind of the, the, the logo that they had was the, the skeleton with the big giant. Mohawk, yeah. Right. And they even in their logo, exploit and oi, you know, exploited. So, oh. you know. Yeah. <laughs> so it was that, that that scene was about, you know, working class and coming together. And it was about it doesn't matter if you're black or white. It doesn't matter. None of this stuff matters. What matters is this music, this scene and that we're working class and we all have this commonality and that there's an enemy out there. You know what I mean? And it's maybe it's in the form of the government or the police or the system or, you know, society in general. You know, I mean, if you think about what's going on, it's like. For the last 40 years, punk rock has been predicting a dystopian future that we're now living. Hmm. So, I mean, am I crazy or is it real? And, you know, if you're like me, it's pretty real. Everybody's doing this. Everybody's looking at this for the answers. Hmm. Self-driving cars. The whole thing. It's crazy. You know? So, I mean, (laughs) I feel like, you know, the topics that we were talking about and singing about are now here. You know, global pandemics. How many punk songs about a virus that wipes out humanity? I don't know, three million. Oh, really? So, it, so <laughs> it's it's. But that's the that's the thing. It's like I feel like you know the music that we that I was gravitating to, like I said, was always aggressive. It always had something to say. It made you think. It made you question. You know, mm-hmm. I'm not talking like being like a a French college professor, and I'm I'm going to to uh, question everything, even the question. It's like, I'm not talking about that bullshit. I'm talking about like just looking at your reality and seeing the division. And I think that's one thing that punk rock pointed out was the division in society, you know? 
And I think, oh, you know, you can go to so many bands and, and, and I feel like that's what, you know, maybe the music had that, that even the metal guys jumped on to, man. <laughs> mm-hmm. You're right. Let's talk a little bit about, about your era, you know, because you mentioned like in the early 90s, there was a huge punk resurgence, a, a 90s version. It wasn't the 70s anymore, but that was saw, you mentioned Green Day and Rancid and Offspring and even, you know, like a, the, No Doubt had a punky vibe. There was a lot of that kind of the reggae and the ska and everything coming in 311. So when did that all start? And, and was it just the time was right for this scene to break out or... What do you think? I think, like you said, when Nirvana came on the scene, it stomped out the hair metal dead. Like everybody yeah. had to find it, you know, their painting jobs, I guess. But, um, right. <laughs> but I really honestly feel like if it wasn't for that, for them and that style of music making sort of a comeback, it wouldn't have happened for any of those bands. And I think it's all cyclical mm-hmm. anyways. Like I feel like rock and roll always will, will, will find its way in every 10 years. I mean, I think at the time, when you look at what was going on, there was a lot of bad hair metal. There was a lot of dance music. But then you had things like on MTV, like Headbangers Ball. And Ricky Rackman, I remember playing the Rancid Hyena video on MTV on Headbangers Ball. It was December 1993, I guess. Right. And that was before Green Day and Offspring ever had videos on MTV. But you know, then you would have the Antinora League being played on 120 Minutes or Kraut, their videos. So, you know, I feel like just the time was just right. I don't know why. I don't really know. I was a mm-hmm. 21-year-old kid. So I just feel like the timing was right. And the music that, we, that was coming out was authentic. And it was from the heart. And it was a really a, a snapshot into in our personal lives or what we were, how we were viewing the world. I think it got big because the songs were good. I think it translated into people. I think people wanted to to dance and rock and roll. I feel like rock and roll is dance music, right? So, mm-hmm. and I feel like just, you know, what was going to happen after Nirvana? I mean, Nirvana was pretty hardcore for the time, right? right so, right. you know, w- what was going to come next was, you know, bands, you know, not that we were more hardcore than Nirvana. Maybe we were, I don't really know, but uh, I haven't listened to enough of Nirvana to make that distinction. But I will say that you know what you know our first record was pissed our second record was pissed and when we came with outcome the wolves you know we were just like well let's just you know let's do something completely different let's make a pretty much a whole record of nothing but mid-tempo kind of oi ramones kind of stuff you know street punk street Mm -hmm. punk shit like because we you know our vision and our and i mean we were you know our songs in 1995 were you know we're, we're singing about you know being anti-racist and anti-fascist. And I don't think a lot of rock and roll bands were talking about that. You know, we were talking about, you know, our good friends who graffiti graffiti artists who were, you know, drug overdoses and things that were just happening in our um, general vicinity, you know, and and our view of the world, racism and sexism and homophobia and all these things. And we're putting that into lyrics. And that's what we were doing differently from Green Day and The Offspring. They might've, you know, and later records went more political but we were always very political from the get-go you know we were talking about general strikes and you know what was going on with flint michigan you know so like we Mm -hmm. were you know we were very you know more socially conscious we weren't talking about oh she's so cute and i want to fall in love that was fine and we had an element of that but like where we were and i can only speak for myself personally we were we were very political we were personally political we were 
we weren't telling anybody what to do with their lives, but we were talking about what was on our minds. And we weren't, you know, because I feel like sometimes music can be pretty mindless. And that's just not the music I generally go to. I'm not really a pop music fan. Mm -hmm. But I mean, some people catch feelings with that shit too. It just wasn't for me. I was, I wanted to talk about issues. You know, what was happening in my Mm -hmm. life? Why can't I get a job? You know, why, why am I still making four and a quarter? You know, why do I need a college education to be successful? Why do I have to be in society's norm, you know, to be accepted or to be, to get the good jobs or, and why are these douchebags and pink shorts, you know, frowning down their nose on me? You know what I mean? Like, you don't know me. You don't know where I come from. And the, the music was a reflection of that, you know? Mm-hmm. You know, now that I'm a 50-year-old father, you know, I don't have those strong convictions. Not quite as angry, right? No, yeah. I, well, it's not that I'm not quite as angry. It's just I just don't really care, you know? Yeah. So, but <laughs> I, I guess it's just where we were at that time, you know, I feel like it was just authentic. And I think that, you know, the excess of the 90s or the 80s, you know, sort of wore on people. And I feel like every decade's got to change to some degree. And yeah, we weren't the 70s punk bands, but we were also like, you know, it doesn't mean that we didn't have the same integrity or the same feeling. You know, we were just doing what was natural to us, you know. You like to watch new stuff, right? Well, go to Hulu and see what's new because Hulu has new stuff all the time. Like Vanderpump Villa, the new docudrama starring Lisa Vanderpump, where first-class luxury meets world-class drama. A new season of The Kardashians starring The Kardashians, of course. And Grand Cayman, Secrets in Paradise, the sizzling new reality show set in the tropical Caribbean. It's all new and it's streaming now on Hulu. We spoke about this earlier about how The Clash and Blondie became mainstream. And you're talking about Rancid and uh, Out Come the Wolves. It's a platinum record. Now, is is this a conundrum? No. Obviously, you're a punk band. You want more people to hear it? Or is is punk meant to be for the the small little VW halls? Like, you said no. So what was the rationale? I mean, I kind of feel like that's, you know, punk rock was never about limitations. And that's that's Mm -hmm. the thing, you know. It's like... I feel like that that was the opinion of the, the college kids that came into town and would leave, you know, they'd cycle out every four years, you know, they would come in and have their opinions and, you know, basically say punk rock cannot be this or punk rock cannot be that. That was like, right. you know, some, some rules that's, you know, I don't know who made them up, but punk rock didn't have, wasn't supposed to have a rule book. It wasn't about like limiting yourself or staying trapped to where you were it was about breaking out and being yourself because that was my opinion if i got it all wrong then i've been doing it wrong for the last 40 years so <laughs> you know to me like i said in my neighborhood we were never like angry at somebody for getting out of, <laughs> of the daryls you know we were we were stoked so and you know I, I did it through music i mean honestly like if i think about what my life could have been i probably wouldn't be here to tell the tale right now you know because we're my direction was going wasn't in the most positive and i think that the music and the creative outlet and the energy you know getting out a lot of the aggression was in a lot of ways you know uh, i've lost my train of thought because my computer screen just went all crazy we were just talking about the the success of rancid and how that relates to the punk rock yeah i mean we were just we just were out on the road i mean we did so many van tours i mean we, we were out on the road partially because we didn't really have stable places to live. But another thing was 
was just the fact that we loved the music and we wanted to just be out there and be in a band. And I, I don't think we ever had our, our sights set on like fame and fortune. That wasn't really our agenda. Our agenda was just to make music and to be in a band. And when right. we started making money, then we thought, well, if we can just pay our rent, then we'll be good. You know, I can't remember how many times I'm sure you probably experienced this in your early wrestling days. Like you're coming home after a month long or whatever little thing, and you 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 could barely pay your rent, you know, maybe in, right. f- or feed your cat if you had one. So it's like <laughs> I feel like the way that it happened, there was a lesson attached to it for me now. Like when I look back in retrospect, I realized that like why we were given these these opportunities, why we became what we became. There was a lesson attached to it, and you know, mm-hmm. for me personally, it was about like you know. It, it, my, my life, what I valued and, and, and how I validated myself, you know, personally, you know, as a result of being successful and being humbled and experiencing humility along the way, focused my, my thought process in, into an entirely different direction. So I feel like there was a lesson to it, you know, but I also think that at the time, you know, being successful, I'm just thankful there wasn't a Facebook or Instagram back then. Because it would have been gnarly because it was gnarly as it was. Because, you know, maybe, you know, there was animosity towards us for getting successful. And there was, you know, at times punches thrown. But at the end of the day, you know, we've lasted the test of time. I mean, Rancid's been around 30 freaking years now. Yeah. You know, so I feel like we've lasted that 25 years. We're still going. We're still making records. We're still doing what we do on our own terms and um you know i'm i'm super thankful and super grateful that i was able to experience what we've experienced but um i don't know if any of these bands would really apologize for writing a good song well and that's the thing it's interesting to me because punk rock is much like i always say like rock and roll in general but especially now hard rock hard rock is dead no it's not dead rock has never been the number one form of music once in a while, a Metallica breaks through, a Guns N' Roses breaks through, a Nirvana, a Green Day to kind of keep, you know, keep the genre really big. But other than that, most bands are kind of under the the, the, the radar of the mainstream. And punk is still like that as well. Well, I think, you know, for us, you know, we can go into any building and across the United States and in the world and sell it out a 2500 seater right yeah that's great that's That's great we can headline festivals and you know keep everybody there i don't know why it's just what it is i think that if anything that we've sort of realized along the way we would probably attribute ourselves more to a band like motorhead or the ramones Mm -hmm. where Mm -hmm. most importantly for us is our aesthetic and who we are you know right and i'd much rather go down in the annals of history you know if if we were to alongside the Ramones and Motorhead than Emerson, Lake and Palmer and, <laughs> you know, whatever else it is, you know, I, I, I never wanted to be right. a Motley Crue or, or I loved, you know, I think Motley Crue's awesome. And I think Kiss is awesome. And they were bands, you know, Kiss most more so than Motley Crue. But like, I wanted to be, I mean, Ace Freely, I love Ace Freely. He's what, probably the reason why I, pick, I play a Les Paul. That, that was my first. And besides, you know, my first introduction to music was basically Kiss at five years old, you know, and I loved them. And I can probably play every Kiss song, you know, 
other than like the animalized look it up eras, the Vinnie Vincent, Mark St. John, but like Ace Freely, I mean, I've stolen so much from him, <laughs> you know, as a guitar player, I got to give him his credit. You know, I love, I love the spaceman. I love kiss <laughs> and, I, and I still love kiss and I always will. That's why I did mm -hmm. coming home on my latest That's solo right. record, you know, because that song, yeah. you know, spoke to me back then. And I, you know, to me, they were, them and ACDC are the greatest rock and roll bands for totally completely different reasons. And I feel like, you know, who else could lose a singer so tragically like Bon Scott, get a guy like Brian Johnson and become the biggest band in the world. Right. Right. Get yeah. Even bigger. Yeah. So, exactly. you know, that's an anomaly and still make great freaking records. And without, without, sure. you know, even, you know, blinking an eye. And I believe Kiss, you know, like, I remember when, when I went and saw them on the reunion tour and was just so blown away that we, when we met Gene and Paul, cause they asked for me and Tim to come, we were in Milwaukee because D generation was playing with them and we knew the D gen guys were from years ago and God rest how, how he pyros sold. He just passed away. But, um, mm. he was, he was one of the OG punkers, you know? So, you know, and I remember Gene and Paul and then Gene Simmons is quoting some of Rancid lyrics and he's like, I love, you know, the anti-racist song avenues and alleyways and I love the far part of this. And you're just like, <laughs> what the f***? And he's in full Gene makeup and eight feet tall. And then Paul Stanley comes running out and goes, and I got a picture of all of us together. <laughs> and it's just like, you're, you're meeting your childhood heroes and they know who you are. Right. And it's like bizarre. Mm -hmm. And then and then Gene Simmons is quoting some of your lyrics. And you're just like, how the f did I get here? <laughs> so, you know, it's, it's, you know, just because you're in the punk rock or you're a punk rocker doesn't mean you don't like other kinds of music. Sure. But you would have that same influence on some of the younger punk bands today. I'm sure they'd be like, oh my gosh, Lawrence Ferguson. Who are some of the, the, the newer punk bands that are keeping the scene alive for the future? I would say grade two is at the top of that charge. Um, they're a great band. They're from the Isle of Wight, which is a very small, you know, wow. and they, they're bringing something to the table that, you know, they're, they kind of bring like hints of the jam and Paul Weller to jam 69 to American style punk rock. I mean, they're doing, so, they're an amalgamation of so many things, but have become their own thing and their own style. So I would say for sure them, you know, a lot of the bands that I listen to are pretty underground, um, like Violent Way. I love them. They're great. I'm just trying to think there's so many great bands out there right now, but I don't necessarily know. But I would say grade two is at the top of the food chain if there was something like that. Mm -hmm. I don't know, maybe that's, I'm using that term very, very loosely. But I would say they're the ones that's the future. And I think that hmm. there are bands out there that, that will make – See, that's the thing with the punk rock thing. It's, you know, unless you're involved and currently in it, and I, I've kept my, you know, self very close to the underground, and I will to the day that I die. But because I like to hear new bands, I like to hear new stuff, I like sure. to hear the new approaches. And there's some things that blow me away. And then there's certain things that I think, okay, that's just, you know, that's good. But, and it's, it belongs here, mm. but it's not something that really like knocks my socks off. But, you know, grade two was one of those bands that like really knocked my socks off. Like I was like, whoa, like, oh my God, one day mm. I feel like Rancid will be opening up for them. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that's, and sure. Inter Interrupters is another band that I think, and they're more on the ska kind of punky trip, but 
they're another band that like you know sort of cut their teeth with us and we brought them along the way but uh you know they're they're making their own waves now they're their own thing now they don't, they don't need to rely on anybody but so i mean i think there's a lot of bands out there that are that are making some waves and a lot and there's always going to be new bands there's always going to be that young energy there's always going to be that kid in his mom's garage or at the edge of his bed or wherever the fuck he is in the world he's going to be feeling like shit and someday he's going to pick up a guitar and he's just going to put it out there i mean my kids you know listen to playboy cardi and yeet and all this other stuff and my oldest now goes to a lot of these shows and gets in the pits and gets in the energy of it and that's the punk rock of now you know for him so punk rock is kind of anything that any music that your parents hate is probably punk rock you know what I mean? <laughs> punk, punk rock is more of an attitude as well right the punk rock attitude i would say so i mean i think that there's you know i have a sense of humor that doesn't is not very um it's very off color and it's very you know blue as red fox would say <laughs> You know, I just find humor in every single thing. And, you know, I feel like I'm still sort of, I don't know. I just feel like my attitude is not necessarily the punk rock attitude. I just, I feel like a lot of people have it. Like my, you know, girlfriend for the last three years, she's 10 years younger than me. And she's been, you know, successful through like, you know, the more of the tech industry. Mm -hmm. but the way that she views life i'm just like you're punk is and she's like what do you even mean like you know i'm just like you're no but your attitude <laughs> on this this thing is punk is you know and it's i think it's just about like you know it can mean so many different things but i think that's the beauty of it all it's kind of like the bible it's like it's a really good story and it can be interpreted a 100 million ways and it has you know mm. It can start mm -hmm, wars mm -hmm. and it can end wars, more start wars than end wars. But my point is, it's like, it's, it can be perceived in so many different ways. And it's hard to kind of say, well, it's this because it's not, it's right. It could be that for me and not that for somebody else. Cause there's, and that's the beauty of it though. You know, it's very well said, man. Very well said. L last question for you. It's probably might be hard, but who are your top three punk bands of all time? Shit. <laughs> well, yeah, that is hard well i'm gonna i'm gonna claim motorhead mm. because you know because i feel like whatever they did you know it was always had a punk element to it yes i agree and they sort of influenced everybody from gbh who's quintessential as a punk band so my two favorite bands are motorhead and gbh and it flips 51 percent maybe goes to wonderhead motorhead one day and 51 percent goes to gbh so those are the top two easy yeah, yeah, yeah. and then i would say my third favorite band is probably the business and mm. and and and, it, and i feel like it was mickey fitz's voice it was steve whale's guitar playing it was the the uh, the presence they that they had it was the environment that they made with their music it made me feel it's giving me goosebumps i don't know if you can see it's giving me goosebumps <laughs> just to talk about because that's how passionate i am about them you know and mm -hmm. steve whale the guitar player has taught me so much as a guitar player, as a, as a songwriter, as so many things, he's been a, you know, one of my best friends. He's one of the reasons why I'm in the last resort. You know, he's helped me out. We've, we've co-wrote songs together for, with the old from casuals. We co-wrote songs for the business records. We created the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth together, which is probably one of the business's finest hours, I will say. Mm. And, uh, you know, 
it just given me the confidence as a producer. Like, I mean, there's so many reasons why these bands, you know, being friends with Lem, you know, going to see GBH when I was 11 years old and then remembering me every single time <laughs> they came. You know, that's what punk rock was. Every time I would come to a show or they'd come into the Bay Area, my name was on the guest list. Like, that's pretty freaking amazing. Absolutely. So, yeah. yeah. Well, dude, it's great talking with you about this, man. It's it's just flown by, but we got to do uh, we got to do a wrestling one next for sure. I would love to, love to. Awesome, man. Well, dude, I appreciate it. And uh, Rance is one of my top three punk bands. Well, thank you, Jericho. You're one of my Dayglo Abortion, Dayglo Abortions, uh, Ramones, and Rancid. Well, I'll tell you what. Thank you because you're one of my top three wrestlers. <laughs> okay. Perfect. <laughs> thank you, brother. No, thank you, bro. Appreciate, really it, appreciate it, man. It. Cheers, Lars. Thanks, dude.